0: Hello and welcome to the Conrad Life Report for October 8th. Um, Is it the 8th? Yeah. 2019. This is episode number 30. Um, 30 episodes, which is pretty nice. Um, It's been a few weeks since the last one. There's kind of a lot to catch up on. And then again, maybe not because I look at my notes and I think, oh, well, there's a lot of stuff here, but not all of it is that important but then again what is important and what isn't um let's see so well we can just start off with this week uh sunday night i went to see phil collins at madison square garden which was pretty awesome um it's uh called the still not dead yet tour which is um kind of a funny funny name and the tour has been like two years going now so they actually he actually called it the still not still not dead yet yeah it was originally called not dead yet now it's called still not dead yet um but it was a great show uh he sort of like famously has back problems and such and so uh can't drum anymore which is a major bummer because he's an incredible drummer he's certainly one of my favorite drummers and sound wise he's definitely one of my biggest influences um Not so much because of the famous gated sound. Well, that's part of it. But um, achieving that sort of like gate-related sound with with drums in terms of like not just studio effects, but things like having like kind of high-pitched resonant sounding drums that also like decay quickly. Um, So if you've ever seen a picture of his like kind of like famous white drums that are He has four big toms well ranging from small to to big four toms uh aside from two floor toms so he has six total toms four toms that kind of start from his well his right because he's a left-handed drummer Uh, but they start from his right down to above the bass drum and they're single-headed which provides less resonance um, and less of a warm tone and more more attack like so it sounds like a like a nicely well-tuned, warm, double-headed drum will sound like a boom. you know. And, and when you have his, it's like a boom. Uh, and when it's a small drum, a high-pitched drum, it sounds really great. It sounds like... like um, kind of rototom-esque, but uh, way more um, full because they're actual full drums. So it's a bummer you didn't play those, but guess what? that drum kit was actually there, uh, because the drums are being played by his 18 year old son, Nicholas. Um, and Nicholas is playing Phil's white Gretsch drums, same exact kit, um, like same layout and everything. Sabian cymbals, which Phil played. And I noticed, um, when he would appear on the screen, Promark sticks as well. So, um, it was kind of like, it made for the unusual situation of excitedly watching a drum set at a show. Um, not just, not the drummer and the drum set, but the actual drum set. Um, but it was cool. But uh, So Phil comes out very slowly and he sits on a seat, sits on a chair in the middle, you know, front and center. And he walks slowly with a cane, which is kind of weird to see. And he sits down and he introduces the show for a few minutes. And he talks about why he can't move well and you know he's very lighthearted hearted about it. he goes he said i had a back operation and my foot's fucked and, um you know the crowd laughs and everything and he's and then he says you know but we're gonna have fun anyway etc cetera, etc cetera. and they open the show with a ballad against all odds which is a kind of like i think a pretty pretty awesome opener um which fits in with the sort of mood of you know lets you catch your breath seeing him <laughs> sitting in a chair uh and then after that, it kind of just keeps ramping up. And honestly, by like the third or fourth song, I think the fourth song was um, Don't Lose That Number from No Jacket Required. You've, the band is so good. The stage show is so bright and lively. And you forget he's sitting there. I mean, you've, he's there, but you don't notice he's sitting in a chair the whole time. And when you think about it, like some lead singers who say don't play an instrument, or even if they do, if they just sort of are planted at a at a microphone, who cares if they're sitting or standing? Um, and you know, you look at Robert Fripp of of King Crimson. He's always sitting on a stool, anyway, and facing sideways, and up at the top stage, left house, right corner of the stage. So, really, it doesn't. Who cares if he's sitting? Because the show was fun. His his voice was pretty good. He seemed a little weakened, but still pretty good. Um, and if there's like cameras and such, you know, for like the large screens. They're up on his face regardless, so you don't really notice if you're not in the first f- section. Um, I think uh, so. The show was great, and he seemed to be having a ball. Um, Leland Sklar, his longtime bassist, was there. Who's great? He's a legend. He's like the guy. If you've seen the, if you're not like a liner notes reading music nerd and you don't know who he is, if you've seen the Susudio video, which was, you know, played every 10 minutes in the eighties on MTV, he's the bassist with the long gray beard. Um, and he still has that long gray beard and due to him always having that long gray beard, it doesn't look like he's aged. Um, I, he must, I, he was probably in his thirties, I guess in the eighties, which would make him in his sixties now or late, even early seventies. Um, so he was awesome. He had a nice big resist stickering lettering on his base, which was fantastic. Uh, and um daryl Sturmer played guitar daryl Sturmer's is the long time phil sideman and also he's like the second guitarist in genesis like the the touring members of genesis um and i guess like and the vine street horns were there who've who've like played with phil since the early 90s um and four great backing vocalists uh, whose names i can't remember right now but i looked them up online they all go back two or three of them go back a long time with phil anyway i uh i guess the only bummer is it would have been nice to see phil play drums and it would have been nice to have chester thompson there but i guess he doesn't play solo phil does he i can't remember if he did solo tours i should have looked that up but um but anyway nicholas collins is a good drummer and so phil at the show before he introduced two genesis songs he actually you know Obviously, I'm prompted because no one's asking him questions, but he said, you know, we're all still good friends, so you never know. And I was like, whoa. So then I, I did some some research online the next day, and it turns out that he has actually started to say, perhaps there'll be a reunion, and but he wants his son to play drums in his place, which if it's like his son and Chester Thompson together, like the drum duet the two of them, I could totally be into that because his son is good and he knows what he's doing, and he, he seemed to be sort of like very happy to be there and, and and like deferential to not only Phil but the other, you know, sort of more uh, veteran musicians. So um, I'm all for that. And as uh, I went with Scott Lapitine, Scott from Stereo Gum, and as Scott said afterwards, he's like, he's like, if Genesis gets back together, I don't care if they're all seated. I just want them back together, which is <laughs> that's that's my opinion too. So anyway, Phil Collins tour was great. Um, I think there's only a week left of dates or something, and then I hope some Genesis announcement comes later this fall, which would be nice. So anyway, what else did I do musically? Might as well keep staying on the on the music thing. Um, I saw my friend Stephanie Sanders play her album release. Stephanie is a friend and bandmate. She is part of our core band of threes three ring bender shows we do um with ray rizzo and annie nero and that crew including steph and mike phillips and jeremy haynes and david marshall and david nagler and many other people um so stephanie made a record years in the making and she finally got around to releasing it and she played one show and um it was a great show it's a lot of like mellow um almost like Americana but like kind of mellow ballads beautiful ballads she has a beautiful voice and you know she had a lot of our friends her friends our friends our crew play which is like kind of like a pretty great band I mean Joe Russo on drums uh Ryan Thornton also played drums this guy Dave Butler who I don't know but I've seen around played drums um Dave Drywitz on bass Annie Nero on bass Um, there was a lot of swapping out throughout the night um Scott Metzger. So basically there's like Joe Russo's almost dead playing up there. Um, like members of Ween, uh, dude from Cass McCombs band. Uh, anyway, great show. Uh, Ray sang and played keyboards at one point. Anyway, I really enjoyed it and it was great to see Stephanie sort of like get the spotlight because, um, she is a fantastic player and she is a, um, like a wonderful soul and part of our community of Brooklyn players. So um, that was a great show. So those were the only two shows I saw, but let's see going through albums. I listened to, let's see John Coltrane blue world, which is like the second sort of un- like discovered previously unreleased album. Um, there's like some new versions of Naima on there. Uh, it's excellent. It's just, I mean, it's John Coltrane. So it's awesome. It's um like, Early, I think it was it's sixty two or sixty three. John Coltrane. Um, let's see the replacements uh, reissue of "Don't Tell a Soul," which is called "Dead Man's Pop," which is a better name than "Don't Tell a Soul." Is fantastic. It has the Matt Wallace mix, the original mix before it was like all eighties mixed by uh, Charles Lord. What's his name? Algie or something. Um, but this this is it is such a better version of. Of this album. I, I can't believe how much better it is. And I and I like Don't Tell a Soul but, uh, wow, this is great. I, I love that both both albums exist now because they're very different um, and they messed around with The Running Order too and The Running Order is better now. So Dead Man's Pop is great. New Pornographer's album um, In the Morse Code of Breaklights is fantastic. They just like never make a bad album. They've never made a bad album. It's pretty amazing. Um, let's see, I listened to obviously terms of surrender the new his golden messenger I love his golden messenger and this album is if you like his golden messenger it's just it's a great his his record um uh Annie I think is on there Annie from from our crew and Josh Kaufman and um I got to hear it actually last December when I was in Hudson because they made most of this record I think up at Aaron Desner's house and um you know the studio on the sleep well beast cover and I was in there having a beer and in the kitchen and then I heard something that sounded like hiss and I ran into the room and I said, is this what I think it is? And, you know, John Lowe, who's the engineer turned around. And he's like, yes, <laughs> he was laughing. And I said, turn, I want to hear this, you know? So he, we, I got to hear a few songs back then before we had to, um, actually go back into town, but it was, um, uh, I've been waiting for this release so I could like buy it and carry it around with me. Um, it's so another great His Golden re- Messenger record. Um, and then I randomly listened to the Skeeter Davis and NRBQ album because I saw Ron Sexsmith tweet about it. And I never knew that NRBQ made this record with Skeeter Davis, who is a um, really awesome like female country singer who was probably... she I think she was in her late 50s in, in 1985 when this album was made. And um, it's a great record. NRBQ are obviously great. And... She uh she has a really crazy, just very country music, wild, you can't make it up life story. You should go to Wikipedia and read Skeeter Davis's um, bio and listen to Skeeter Davis. She's great. Um I think I, I posted about it on Instagram or something, and then my friend um Elaine sent me a message. She's like, I grew up listening to Skeeter Davis, which is pretty funny because um my friend Elaine grew up in um like Singapore and Sydney. So <laughs> um so Skeeter Davis record, yeah. And that's it for music, kind of, I think. And, oh, and the Grateful Dead box set, the giant stadium box set came, and it is fantastic. You know, it's like a $180 box set that's obviously aimed at the um, complete, like, you know, obsessives like myself, and they just do such a great job. It's such a beautiful artifact. The book is great. Um, the book is actually in a, a spiral bound, which makes it a lot easier to actually flip open and leave open and read, and... Um, so it's yeah it's it's six de- six shows at Giant Stadium over from one and eighty seven two eighty nine two and ninety one and the two and ninety one I actually was in attendance at um, so that box set is fantastic I'm so happy to have it um, let's see should I move on to books move on to books um, let's see I f- finished a few books uh, the Obelisk Gate by N K Jemisin. Finally finished that. Uh, the second in the Broken Earth trilogy, which won a Hugo Award, just like the other two books did. In the trilogy, it's excellent. So I'm. I now have the third book, the Stone. Oh, what's it called? The Stone. Um, Stone Sky. Um, so I'm into that now. Like a hundred pages. I just really love this trilogy. It's like a great um, sci-fi trilogy, and it's it's not it's not like anything I've read before. Um, just very interesting there's a lot of like earth and rock literally rock and all where it plays a big part in the in, in the trilogy um my friend rick webb who on his podcast you know he reads a lot and he documents his reading and he talked about how this year he wanted to read like i can't remember what his figure was but like at least fifty percent of the book, the authors he wanted to be women, and I realize I've read a lot of women authors in the last couple of months, not by design, but I'm very happy to see that that's the result. But N.K. Jemison, if you're unaware, is a um, is a uh, female author, is a woman, and she apparently lives here in Brooklyn, which is great. Um, so I'm on to the Stone Sky. I also read last week Exhalation, the collection of short sci-fi short stories by. Um, Ted Chang, um, C H I A N G. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I think there's about ten stories in this book, ten or twelve. Like one story is like three pages long, a few are like ten or fifteen, and one is a hundred pages. And there's a couple of thirty-page books, but um, I highly recommend this book too if you're looking for like like a current sci-fi writer and like sort of small bites. These stories are all so good, Um, and. <laughs> they, you know, hashtag really make you think. It just like, you know, really interesting ideas explored in fascinating ways. His last novella, I guess it was, I think it's called Story of Your Life. It was what the movie Arrival was um, based on. Uh, so, Ted Chang, Exhalation. And let's see, I picked up The Testaments by Margaret Atwood from um, my friend Meg. Who, uh, I don't know if I mentioned that yet, yeah, Meg got me a copy because she works at Penguin. And I'm so excited to read it. I was going to read it right away. But then like a, I had two books come into the library and they moved up the, the list so fast that I didn't have a chance to even freeze, place a freeze on them. So I'm going through those books first. and um, But I'm excited to read the Testaments because I read The Handmaid's Tale long ago. Um, and Meg, you may re- remember, uh, wrote the book uh, Letting Go of Gravity that I read, I think I discussed on the last episode. Um, and actually, speaking of Margaret Atwood, um, her husband, Graham Gibson, passed away uh, last month, who was um, a well known, very well known in Canada. Um, I mean, he's globally known, but like, you know, I used to live in Canada, and like, Graham Gibson was a nationally known figure, um, not just for being married to. Canada's most beloved writer, but he was his, he was a writer in his own sense, right. And, um, like a well thought of writer, ardent environmentalist, um, just kind of like a strong moral, uh, compass. And so, uh, it's been interesting to read the remembrances of him by, uh, my friend Alec Bemis, who, uh, was, is, is Graham Gibson's son-in-law, um, and son-in-law of Margaret Atwood too. Um, but, um, it's been very moving and it's also very moving. I mean, just, you know, I've had mortality on my mind for the past like two years because of my dad who's, who's been ill. And so, um, I notice it more, not only when it's out in the open, like a friend talking about it and writing beautiful words about it, but I just see it in life. I see, I see certain things and I think about these things and not in any morbid sense, but just in a circle of life, um, passage of time and, passage of space and knowledge and, and souls. And, um, so I've been, I'm, I'm excited to read this, this Margaret Atwood book. I'm excited to read Gibson, um, in the not too distant future. Um, it just feels like the right time for many reasons. Um, so yeah, so that that's books. Um, uh, let's see, moving on to, what should we move on to? Just Regular old stuff. Well, I guess um, two, two nice visits I had recently. Uh, my friend Kevin Carney was in town from Los Angeles, so we had a nice get-together at Pig Beach here in Brooklyn. This was like two weeks ago now. But um, Kevin was there, his wife Elise, uh, our friend Russell, um, and uh, Andrew Krukoff came too. And we had a big old night. That was a lot of fun. I had coffee with Amir Bar-Lev. I think the week before last, um, Amir, who lives in, here in Prospect Heights, and he, um, or over in Prospect Heights, and we met over here in our, my neighborhood and had coffee. And he is, of course, the uh, filmmaker who made Long Strange Trip, the dead documentary on Amazon. And we had coffee sitting outside in the sun in the morning and talked about basically science fiction Um, because I got him to read the Three-Body Problem trilogy, and that's he finished it. He just had to talk about it, which I get, because I think about it all the time. So we read that, or we talked about that, which is a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, other than that, friend Steve was in from Chicago, had a good time hanging out with him um, over at Pete and Kara's house, and um, also at Bar Great Harriet's, um, like, a day later, two days later. And what else? I guess I'll like wrap up soon. I can go over beer. I actually have drank or drunk. I don't know what the proper thing is. A lot of different beers in the past three weeks. Um, Let's see. Looking at this list. um, Well, the big one was I actually finally got around to drinking the Dogfish Head American Beauty, the Grateful Dead beer, um, because they had it in the deli around the corner. And it is um, very good. It's a strong pale ale. Um, It has a dark pale ale color Um, it's like 6.8% alcohol it's really good very satisfying Um, a little expensive it was like $3.20 a bottle so it's like a six pack was like 19 bucks but um, it was good I I wouldn't buy it every week but uh, it was good to try also, over at Pete's house, when Steve was in town and we were there with um, Pete and Kara and Steve and our friend Matt Frampton, uh, we, as you do over there, he always has, you get a glass and you try a bunch of, you know, try a little bit of a bunch of beers. So, tried these um, Evil Twin Michigan Maple Jesus, um, which was like a maple, cinnamony, like like... Uh, Beer, stout, very good. This other half, three stars collaboration called Get Busy Livy. It was living. It was like 13% and it had like cinnamon and chocolate and oh my gosh, it was one of the greatest things I've ever had. It was like drinking this candied ambrosia. Um, it was fantastic. I uh, had some Suarez beers as usual at Bar Great Harry uh, last week and also they had um, a takeover by this brewery from Camden, Maine called Blaze, which was pretty good, pretty good. Um I guess that's is that kind of it? I've done my random stuff. Other than that, I've had a cold for like a week, um, which is the change of the season. Um and sometimes I th- I mean the change of the season is part of it, but I, it's more that our bodies have trouble acclimating back and forth between the outside world, literally outdoors, and then going into these bizarre controlled climate centers. Like I think at home is fine because it's your home and you keep it the way you like it, but You go into an office and it's like still 64 degrees when it's like 64 and cold outside. And, you know, I think that's what contributes to a lot of illness. Um, And then, of course, stuff goes around. Oliver got sick. I got sick. Oliver got sick again and I'm still sick. But um, it's fine. It's one of those just nagging things that takes a while to go away. Um, And I guess other than that, um, next Grateful Dead night is Wednesday the 16th bobby's birthday it's i'll be writing solo because scott's gonna be out with the national and bradley is at some conference in new orleans so it'll just be me but it'll be good it'll be a lot of weir and some hunter too um nice some robert hunter stuff so um i guess that's it i guess i'll wrap it up um so for me conrad this has been the conrad life report october 8th 2019 episode number 30 and we'll be back hopefully sooner than three weeks for episode 31 um take care